Hey, it's Jeff Woods here, the host of Care More, Work Less show. And today I'm excited to bring my first guest, Koken Unosawa. Now, Koken is a young real estate investor and licensed realtor that has been doing some amazing things in the real estate world. And for you younger guys and gals out there that are looking to get into real estate, Koken would be a great resource and an inspiration for you to model after. Now in today's show, we dive into several topics like how he got started, what motivated him to get into real estate, as well as some of the mistakes that he had made so that you can avoid making those same mistakes. And then of course we dive into several other topics such as some of the strategies that he's implementing today like joint venture partnerships and using the Airbnb model to create more cash flow in his investments. So it's a pretty interesting show and I'm excited to get started. Now, before we begin, I just want to give you a quick heads up. The audio quality is not the best quality, but I wanted to go ahead and produce the show and get started. And of course, you know, the saying goes that perfection kills progress. So I want you to know that we're going to put it out there. The content is still amazing, extremely relevant and helpful. And I'll be working on finding a recording solution that delivers higher quality audio. Because one of the things I want to do is I want to have the ability to interview and have guests that are located around the world. And sometimes that creates a, a bit of a challenge with the audio. But fear not, I'm working on improving that. So I want you to sit back, relax, take lots of copious notes, and enjoy today's show. Are you looking for financial independence? Would you like more peace and liberation in your life? Are you ready to forge your destiny? Well, you're in the correct place at the correct time. And I'm glad you're here, live from Canada, broadcasting around the world. You're listening to the Care More, Work Less show with your host, real estate-based wealth coach, Jeffrey Woods. Now, let's get on with the show. All right, uh, Koken, thank you very much for joining us here today on the Care More, Work Less show. Uh, so this is one of our first uh, episodes of the show. I'm excited to have you on. I've had uh, the privilege and honor of coaching you and working with you and just seeing all the amazing things that you've been up to over the past couple of years. So I really want to dive into that today and uh, share some value with uh, our listeners. Okay, so thanks awesome. for being here. Uh, first off, I want to just dive right in and, and why real estate? Yeah, so for me, um, the way I got started was, um, I don't know if it's, if it's normal, but for me, uh, like my family uh, never owned property before we started uh, investing in real estate. Uh, so my, my parents, you know, they, uh, we lived in Sri Lanka for uh, 14 years before moving to Canada. Um, and while they were there, they were always thinking about owning uh, like a property, a home of their own but they never actually went ahead and bought anything over there. So when we moved here, we rented a few apartments over the years and we just never owned anything. So they, they had that bug where they want, didn't know how, they didn't know anyone within the industry and they just never got started. So this is my parents I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, at a relatively young age, I sort of learned, I first learned about like compound interest and you know the whole invest your money now, 10 years from now, if you get like 5%, 6%, what it's worth. 
And it always intrigued me, like, how can I get a better rate of return so that if I invest even a small amount of money while I'm young, I can sort of get a good return out of it. Um, and then I went along. Uh, so at, at the end of my high school uh, years, uh, I got accepted to uh, the University of Toronto in Mississauga. So I went on one of their campus tours, and then I just saw the cost of living on rent. It was uh, about $800 per month for just one bedroom. Uh, and that sparked a little like idea in my mind, hey, what if I can live off campus, but actually buy something around the campus? And then maybe I can rent out, if it's say four or five bedrooms, rent out the other rooms to students. And if I was a student at that time, it wouldn't be too hard to find like people, other students who uh, went to the same uh, programs or courses to rent those rooms and then potentially I could live for free. So that was just the first idea. I was uh, completely green. I didn't have any idea in terms of what the prices would be or anything of that nature because this is in Mississauga, right? So I had no concept whatsoever that it may be expensive to buy anything in that area. But it just got the, the small idea started. Um, I then went to uh, the brokerage I work out of right now, Rockstar Real Estate. They have uh, like a training class. And there they started talking about Oh, if you invest in real estate, here are some of the potential returns you can make. This now tied back into the previous ideas I had of, oh, if I invest money how, and it gets a rate of return, how much I can get at the end of it. And then the numbers they talked about with real estate, as you know, are quite a bit higher than what you would expect with a stock investment or other investments. So those sort of merged those two ideas together. Hey, now I can potentially live for free and I can actually get a good investment that once I'm done university, then it would really help me get like a good return and a good amount of money to start with. Um, so that's sort of how I got started. <laughs> okay, great. And so uh, just remind everyone, how old were you when you got started? Uh, so when I bought my first property, it was a month or two after I had turned 18 years old. Awesome. Um, so while, while we were, so, the way I was able to do this, I joined venture with my parents. So I convinced them, hey, you know, the limited savings you have, it's better, better invested in a rental property than in like the mutual funds they had it in. Um, and they were on board because they always, always had that bug in their mind, right? They wanted to invest in real estate. They just didn't know how. Uh, so this was a way for them to do it. And because of me going like into researching into it, finding like this brokerage that it helps people invest in real estate and like going through all these steps. Now I could show them clearly, okay, you do X, Y, and Z and now you own a property, right? So yeah. kind of help them to get in. But I was so young at that time, I couldn't even wit sign the witness signature on the, <laughs> the real estate contract. Right. Awesome. <laughs> so. That's amazing. And you know, one of the things I want to do with, with this platform and for our listeners is, you know, anybody that's, you know, thinks they're too young to get started. Uh, that's completely um, a limiting belief, right? And so you're a prime example of, you know, at the uh, young age of 18, you really got in the game and you took the initiative and you figured out and found a way to get involved. Uh, so I love that. Now, you mentioned that your first deal was with your parents. So yeah. ultimately, you're creating like a a family uh, portfolio, a family empire, if you will. <laughs> and so the joint venture strategy, which is popular in, in and amongst the, the real estate community, but for somebody who's 18, 
uh, and really doesn't know much about real estate. Can you, can you break up like how, how you discovered joint venturing and what that looks like from a, from a business model? Yeah. Yeah. So in our case, um, I sort of got into it accidentally. I couldn't qualify for anything because I had no credit and I had no savings. I just graduated high school at that point, right? I was just, I just started to work uh, to save some money. So I got into it by sort of accident. Uh, and then over the years we learned it, uh, developed it more. And now I have joint ventures even outside of my family. Um, in terms of the business model. So I guess, are you asking like the structure of the, the yeah, joint venture? So just like how have you structured your, as you've grown and evolved, what would a joint venture relationship uh, look like with you if somebody wanted to invest with you? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point um, in terms of joint ventures structures, it's generally a 50, 50. Uh, yeah. So um, in, in what I've done so far, it's been where a part, they bring the ability to qualify for the mortgage, so the down payment and the ability to get a mortgage. I would then, as the uh, work partner, find a good deal, a property where it makes sense to invest into, um, and also create a strategy how to maximize that particular investment to uh, create the best ROI on that investment. Um, and uh, now it's case by case whether I will take on the management. At this point, I would like any future joint ventures that I take on to then have a separate manager take care of the day-to-day. -day. Uh, but I would be sort of the one overseeing um, that everything gets taken care of uh, with the property, an asset manager, so to speak, right? Uh, so that would be what I would be looking for with a joint venture nowadays. Nice. And so you started at 18, and where are you today? So what's your portfolio look like today? Yeah, so I have currently seven properties. Uh, two of them I own personally, and the other five I have uh, joint ventures on them. Um, I have uh, two single-family homes, three student rentals, uh, a duplex conversion uh, that we just completed, and now it's a uh, legal duplex, and a fourplex. Awesome. Amazing. So in a relatively short period of time, by investing in your education and learning a few simple strategies, you're able to scale your, your portfolio to multiple millions of dollars worth of real estate. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it actually happened much faster than I was expecting uh, when I got started. And I think, I think with most people, when they get started, it's, it's the same. It, when, you, when you don't have a single rental property, it's hard to imagine um, having multiple of them. Right, but once you get started, you buy one, you buy two, and then these properties start building equity. You you then can take that and roll it over to to grow a larger portfolio. So, yeah, right. and definitely the education is a big part of it. Right, being around the right people, being around the right uh, like coaches such as yourself, it helps to like remove some of the the learning curves, so to speak. So you can just take action much faster. Yeah, absolutely. And now having gone through several transactions and building and growing your portfolio and continuing to do so, what lessons have you learned along the way? So, you know, oftentimes I listen to shows like this and they talk about the success stories and, and the wonderful side of real estate. And of course, sure. um, there's, there's a lot of pluses to investing in real estate, but what's some yeah. of the, the failures or lessons that you've learned? 
yeah, so I mean, in, in my investing, I was hit pretty hard in terms of failures uh, right at the beginning. So the first two properties that we bought were uh, single family homes. Um, and our plan with those properties were to do the rent to own strategy. So rent to own strategy is you buy the property, you're looking for a tenant who would rent the property for a couple of years and then buy out the property uh, in at, at an increased price over two, three years, right? right. Um, now, the strategy itself, you know, it works across Ontario, but in my particular case, the homes we bought and at that time, uh, what these rent-to-own buyers were looking for, it didn't quite line up. That uh, meant for us is we, over a course of the first two two and a half years of my investing, I had to find, or there were I think five to six times between these two properties that I'd have a tenant, they'd stay two, three months, they'd leave, I'd have to find another tenant, they'd stay six months, they'd leave. Um, and on one of the properties, I was a little bit overestimating the rent I could achieve. Um, and that cost me a, a six month vacancy. So I was carrying this property for six months um, so that really taught me the value of, you know, test the higher rent, but be ready to drop it down if you're not getting the response you want. Because vacancy, like at the end of that year, I realized, you know, if I had even rented it for a thousand bucks a month, I would be ahead instead of holding out for six months, <laughs> trying to get that little bit of a higher rent. Right. Right. Um, so that was pretty rough. Like, and that was right when we got started. So I think. The, the one thing that I can feel proud of is just sticking through it <laughs> to the point yeah. you get through that and then you you then try to correct that in the future investments, right? You try to find ways to like absolutely minimize the vacancy, keep the cost down. So, yeah. yeah. Now, now that leads me to, to my next point, which is important because a lot of people don't get in the game because they're afraid to do so. And then yeah. they get involved and maybe they get themselves into a bad deal. They didn't uh, get the proper education from the beginning and yeah. then they'll, they'll give up. They'll just quit and they'll revert back to their comfort zone and give up on the yeah. dream of, you know, building a real estate empire. So what yeah. was it in you that a got you to like dive in at 18 and then, yeah. then persevere through all the, the trials and tribulations. So, I mean, in the beginning, we persevered because there was no other option. <laughs> we didn't have the option of selling these properties at a loss. Uh, we didn't have the option of give like I. So the money that had been investing to those first two homes was the life savings, essentially, of my parents and my my family. I couldn't let them lose that in these deals. So I had to find a way to make sure that it it worked. Like there was no going away from this, right? Like I, 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 quitting was not an option for, for me. Right. So I, I just had to f figure out a way to make it work and like just, yeah, like didn't have the luxury of quitting. I had to persevere. Find so, a way to win. So you, you yeah. essentially burnt, burnt the ships at the shore and yeah. there's no other option except success. Keep pushing through, keep persevering, figure out a way. Yeah. Yeah, that was basically that was basically it. Now I don't know if that's the best strategy for everyone to do, but uh, yeah, like I, I think there's a lot, lot to be said about perseverance, right? Because it's so easy to 
it's so easy to look at investing with a negative lens as soon as something happens. You know, something happens that wasn't expected. You you run your numbers and then there's an expense that you didn't account for, or there's there's something that just makes you feel, oh, did I make the wrong decision? Right? A tenant like gives you grief or something or the other. But right. having the ability to just persevere through that and keeping like that longer term mindset, um, that's that's something that will really pay off. So now the long-term mindset that you speak of, and, and I, I love uh, you know long-term buy and hold real estate deals and, and creating the residual income and all the wonderful things that, that goes along with that strategy. But in order for you to carry the property long-term, uh, you need to have uh, good tenants in place, good quality yeah. property, good location, all of that. Yeah. So now when it comes to renting properties, you can, you know, there's several strategies there's student rentals there's senior rentals there's you know traditional family rentals and now of course uh really popular is the whole airbnb the short-term rental model right so yeah. with your current portfolio can you walk me through the evolution of of your rental strategy and sure. um, and talk a little bit i know you're diving into the airbnb model so share sure. a little bit about that yeah, yeah. So when we got started, it was just the, well, it was the sort of rent to own strategy with a single family home, which uh, after a few trials, we realized it wasn't working. So we diverted to just renting them as a straight single family um, home. So after those first two were done, what we really realized is we wanted the next property to have cash flow. Like I really wanted the next property to have a significant cash flow so that it could sort of make up for the first two properties and it would create a little bit of a safety buffer. So that's when I started looking back into student rentals. Um, and I was uh, able to do pretty well with uh, the next few. So the next three purchases were student rentals, uh, which the cash flow on those were are really good. Um, and then after, after a certain point, the price points of those properties really went higher to the point that I started looking at other strategies, right? So the next one that I did was a duplex conversion. So in my case, I bought a older duplex in St. Catharines that wasn't uh, legal. And then I completely gutted it, renovated it, and went through the process to legalize it as a two unit dwelling. Um, and that's the one currently that's running as an Airbnb. So with that particular property, um, the, the cost of renovating and, and the cost of legalizing it uh, went much more than uh, what we were expecting. So as in an make it maybe a little bit more of a profitable investment, um, I decided to like, let's get it furnished. Let's uh, short-term rental it um, on Airbnb uh, to see if we can generate some higher revenues than with a regular longer term. Right, great. Now, uh, with the Airbnb model, was there any concerns of, um, like regulations with the city or anything like that that you can share with us? Yeah, so each city is different um, within the Niagara region. So the main cities, I guess, would be the large ones. So Niagara Falls, Welland, and uh, St. Catharines, and Niagara good tourist spot. So Niagara Falls has um, like the regulations where they only allow Airbnbs within a very small area of the downtown um, section close to actually where the new uh, gold station is going uh, near 
uh, Bridge Street, right? Um, yeah. However, uh, in St. Catharines, there's no like there's no ban per se on Airbnbs. However, some some of the other investors in St. Catharines that I've talked to that do have Airbnbs have said that if you know if you have like a little bit of a noisy group and you have if you're on a street where rental section and they really are uh, picky about it and say if they call the city and they complain on you, you can get a bylaw officer that tries to uh, sort of shut you down. Uh, it's not happening all the time, but those do happen even in St. Catharines. Um, Welland, again, I, I haven't really looked into Airbnb too much in Welland. Just, I think based on the location and the population, my, my gut feeling is St. Catharines is going to be a little bit of a better opportunity for it just because you can attract the people who are coming from the GTA and maybe they stay in St. Catharines, go to Niagara-on-the-Lake, go to Niagara Falls, all the wineries. Uh, well, it's not too far away, but given the fact it is further away, uh, my thoughts were maybe the demand would be less, so I haven't looked into it too much. But if you go on Airbnb right now, you will see that Actually, there's listings in all of these cities, right? Even in, uh, well, there's a good amount of listings. So, yeah, I could mm -hmm. be wrong there. <laughs> nice. So what would be, uh, just to kind of give our listeners uh, a comparison, so your property in St. Catharines that's currently an Airbnb, if you yeah. were to just rent that as a straight rental, how much would you get per month versus the Airbnb model? Yeah, so... I think conservatively on a regular rental, we should be able to get about 2,400 a month um, plus hydro for the two units. And mm -hmm. rent, um, in terms of the Airbnb model, our goal is to make, again, it's, it's hard to say we're, we're still only a few months into it, but my goal is to recoup our initial investment in furniture and all the other expenses within the first year. Um, and we did put uh, <laughs> a good 15000 into everything between the two units. So all the furnishings, all the beds, sofas, dining tables, pots, pans, but like everything we have to spend. So my, my goal is if we can recoup that within the first year and then the second year we're making about 15000 in cash flow over the year, um, I would be pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, to give sure. you some numbers... Um, I think we may have got a little bit lucky on this one, but we had a guest stay for two months from uh, all of February and all of March in uh, one of the two units uh, as a furnished rental. They were paying us 2400 per month just for that one unit. So on a long-term rental, the whole thing would be at twenty four. Here it's just one month. Sorry, one unit right. uh, gets that income. Um, but that being said, that's I wouldn't say that's uh, possible every single month. So I wouldn't like just run your numbers exactly at that amount over 12 months, but it is possible to get those kind of bookings as well. Right. Right. Now from, from a managerial perspective, because like you said, you've got somebody that stayed a couple months at a time, but yeah. a lot of times they're staying one or two or three nights at a time. So there's, there's more yeah. turnover, right? It's more like a, a hotel model. Yeah. Uh, so from a management perspective, how, how do you go about facilitating the bookings, the cleanings, right? All of that stuff that comes along with that strategy. Yeah, so I think the cleaner is a very important piece. Uh, so we found a very good cleaner uh, in the area who, who has a small cleaning company. So she is herself and a few other 
people she employs, where they go in two at a time, get it done within an hour, um, and they're very reasonably priced as well. So I can count on her to just go in between bookings. I don't need to go there myself. Um, and if any issues, anything's broken, she can just take pictures of those and send them to me. Uh, the other aspect of the management also does take up some time, like all the messages, all the like back and forth with the potential guests. Uh, we have been looking into outsourcing that. Uh, so we looked at hiring um, just another local host. Um, you know, things are not going as <laughs> expected. So we may have to then find just a regular, uh, like a Airbnb property management company, or just find a way to outsource some of the communication so that creates a little bit more of a turnkey uh, solution because I don't want to spend all my time uh, on just this one property. Uh, it, it becomes hard to scale it if, if each property takes too much time, right? Right. Uh, but yeah, so definitely it's more work up front. So again, this is sort of a testing of the model to see how well it does within the first year. Um, and I've heard that it does improve over time as well. So if we can generate a decent return, a decent uh result within the first year, then we know, okay, now we have our good bookings, we've recouped, say, our cost of furniture, and then moving forward for the next couple of years, it'll be more profitable. So that's the goal. So the the goal then is to scale using the Airbnb model? Um, <laughs> it's hard to say. I haven't fully decided one or the other. This has sort of been my my investing so far, I'm not stuck to a particular strategy. I'm more looking for the opportunity. So if there's an opportunity of something that works, um, I'm open to try it, right? So we tried student rentals, they work, and they still work, right? So I may even go back and buy a few more student rentals. Uh, recently, we've seen the, the rental rates we can achieve really increase. So it's creating the compelling case to go back to that model and maybe expand those. Uh, if the Airbnbs do well, then we, we will expand those as well. Um, but even like our most recent edition was a uh, like a fourplex, right? Uh, and when we bought that property, all of the units were rented on the market. Uh, but since then, the other unit turned over. Um, and over time, that also creates a lot of equity within these deals, right? So again, I'm, I'm always looking for opportunities versus a particular strategy. Um, maybe that <laughs> sort of spreads my attention to thin, who knows? Uh, but I think it's, it's worth being open so that when a good opportunity comes in front of you, you can take action to it. Right. Yeah. And one of the things I heard uh, years ago, um, is that deals are created, they're not found. And so I think the more education you have and the more strategies that you can implement, uh, I think the more opportunity that's available uh, to you so and to be flexible as as the market shifts and changes right as prices go up and rents and whatnot uh, having those creative yeah. strategies to, to cash flow your deals and to continue to grow yeah definitely like I'm working with a buyer right now uh, he's actually a high school friend of mine he um, he's looking to buy a property live in one unit and rent out the other unit but because he's gonna live in the property I, what I've suggested to him is try to find a property where you can rent out the second suite, whether it's a bungalow with a basement or whether it's a duplex, triplex, right? Two students, say from September to April, potentially getting a little bit higher rent because of an eight-month lease because the students 
would prefer that over a 12-month lease, right? And now in the summer months, that's when Airbnb gets the most revenue, switch the strategy to have a furnished rental where you can rent it out on Airbnb. You're on site, so it's a little bit easier to take care of it. And since this is going to be his first and only property for the first little bit, he can place that kind of attention on the property. Yeah. Uh, and then by merging those two strategies, he can potentially get a much higher revenue from that uh, to offset sort of his living costs, right? Nice. So it's kind of a hybrid model. It's student rentals <laughs> on steroids, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So I'm, I'm really excited for him. I, I'm hoping that, well, well, we'll have to see what the results are, right? We can sort of have our conservative estimate, but yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for that. I think that could really do well for him. Nice. So you're also a, a licensed realtor, as you've mentioned. And uh, yeah. so when did you get your, your license and what was the motivation behind becoming a licensed realtor? Yeah, so I got my license in uh, when was this? So March of 2016. So that's when I officially got my license, you know, finished all the courses and such. Uh, I didn't do much with it in the beginning except buy our like the my own properties. Um, the first uh, property I bought with my own license was, I believe, in March, May or June of uh, 2016. Um, but then uh, the my motivation for becoming a real estate agent uh, twofold. One was the opportunity of it, right? I was working at RBC, not really something I was interested in. I, I couldn't see any like clear way to increase my income. Um, but the second thing is real estate is my passion, right? Like the, the results that I've got out of it and the, the impact that is it's had on my family. Even before I had my license, I was talking to all my friends and family and just trying to convince them, Hey, you've got to do this. You got to get started because I, I saw what a great impact it can have on people's lives. Right. So I, to me, I, I thought it made sense go ahead and become a realtor because essentially I get paid to do what I was already doing, right? Helping people to get started and then sort of guiding them through that process of buying your first investment, getting it rented out, try to navigate some of the issues that come along the way. Um, so that was sort of my motivation behind getting started. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> I would say those were the two motivations. Nice. And so most of your clientele then I'm assuming are, you know, investors that are looking to start real estate investing and to grow and scale their portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. So most of the deals I do are with investors and the, the regular residential deals that I do are like the primary residences of the investors that I work with. Right. So my, my entire focus is mainly on investment properties. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. One of the things I'm always uh, stating and when I'm working with my coaching clients that are just starting out, right, is, is real estate investing is a team sport, right? Yeah. And so it's not, you know, working extremely hard to do everything on your own, but yeah. it's working to build a team of professionals that you can delegate certain tasks to. And that liberates you to then, you know, focus on building the company rather than working in the company. And so yeah. I'm always telling them, you know, you want to work with a realtor who's not only focused on real estate investing, but owns real estate investing, right? Yeah. I, I believe, you know, not all realtors are equal. And if you're dealing with somebody that just focuses on, single family homes, um, it's not the same as working with somebody that actually has experience 
of acquiring and managing uh, investment properties. Yeah, no, that's absolutely it. Like even for myself, so I personally don't have experience in uh, multi-unit properties, right? I haven't, multi-unit meaning over four units, uh, something in the sort of commercial multi-unit space. So I've reached out to some lenders and I have asked them to refer their sort of commercial realtors to me so that I can then hire them as a client to go out and look at some multi-unit buildings and I'll let them get the full commission because about finding deals that I can get paid on as a realtor. It's more about how do I progress my investment, right? So I'm right now I'm at the stage where I'm debating between growing my portfolio into the commercial side where I can get six or more doors, um, something where you can get commercial financing on uh, or doubling down on what I already have in the student rentals, the Airbnbs or the smaller multi-residential, right? So yeah. I, want to, I, I want to make sure that my having a realtor license doesn't limit me from investing where I want to invest. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, and the, the beauty is you started at a young age, so you've got lots of time to continue to learn and grow and, <laughs> and hone your skills and build your portfolio. And uh, so, yeah, the future, future definitely looks bright. So, yeah. so for, the, for the young guy or gal who's, you know, hung up, on getting in the game and they think, you know, because real estate's gone up quite significantly in the last little while and with the increase of population and driving supply and demand, uh, you know, there's a lot of young folks that are thinking like I'm priced out of the market. What do I do? Where yeah. do I go? How do I get into the game? How do I invest? What, what, would, yeah. what advice would you give to them? Uh, for someone just starting out, um, I think connecting with the right people is important. Um, specifically, for example, many people say they think they're priced out, but they haven't actually talked to a mortgage broker yet and find out exactly what are they able to afford. Um, because like many times, there's always opportunity in different price points. So maybe if, like to give you an example, I'm working with a client right now, just looking for a personal residence in Mississauga, right? And so Toronto is not a cheap place to live. If they were only willing to take a freehold property, like a semi-detached or a detached home, they are definitely priced out, right? In their category, they're not able to buy. But what I sort of pushed them towards is, okay, you want a certain amount of space, a certain amount of bedrooms. Let's try to find it within a condominium property that it makes sense for you in terms of getting the amount of space you want and within the, the budget in terms of your monthly costs you can afford. And even in a city like Mississauga, we're looking at a deal right now in the 345,000 range that has four bedrooms. So again, 345,000 is relatively an affordable price point for even most young people. And if it's not for, say, a, if you're a single young person, you have no one else who can sort of co-sign with you or help you get sort of a large mortgage, I would say to someone like that, be open to partnering up with, for example, a friend, right? Uh, get someone else on board. If you, if the two of you individually cannot buy any properties by yourself, your credit is essentially worthless on your own. So maybe by joining together, buy your first like rental property together and then keep it as a strict investment, you know, do up a partnership agreement, all that. 
Um, and then at least you can have half of a deal versus no deal, right? Um, and then that gets your foot in the door. That's what I did on my on the two properties that I own on my, using my own credit. What I did was I partnered up with my brother, right? So we both at that point had the experience of investing in those first two properties. But now we had our own credit individually. We could qualify for a very little amount. We put our limited savings together and we bought uh, two of the student rentals that we own together. Uh, and we're 50-50 on that, right? So some people look at it as losing half the deal. But looking back at that time, I would not have been able to buy either property if I had tried to go just by myself. So by partnering up, now I have half of two deals, which is essentially a full <laughs> deal all to myself, right? Yeah. So I would say be open to being creative, you know, giving the deal in order to, to make something happen and then look at ways maybe you can try to replicate that a couple of times, right? Right, yeah. yeah. It's better to have 50% of a good deal than 100% of nothing, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Yeah. And just being open and creative and, and learning, right? Learning through the process. Maybe you're taking a little bit less in the beginning, but you're yeah. gaining valuable, valuable knowledge that as you grow, you can implement that and scale your portfolio and then start to do deals on your own. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. So another thing going back, kind of keeping that focus on the first time home buyer and, and new investors that you work a lot with. I know you also write uh, a, a letter, you know, that's very educational and informative and you touched upon recently in one of them uh, about the first-time homebuyer programs and some of the yeah. strategies that first-time homebuyers can utilize. Can you share yeah. a little bit about that? Sure, sure. So there was a recent announcement uh, where the government uh, changed uh, a few things. Uh, so the new sort of addition was uh, a CMHC shared equity mortgage. Uh, essentially what it means is if you're buying your first home, you can buy it with a 5% down payment. Um, what they were going to do or what they're planning on doing is to give another 5% so that essentially your mortgage amount drops from being uh, the amount that a 5% mortgage would be down to like a 10% mortgage. So you're dropping your, to give an example, a $400,000 mortgage, sorry, $400,000 purchase price would drop to 380,000, which would be 95%, and then it would go to 360,000 with their additional 5% that they give. Uh, so essentially it drops the monthly payment uh, slightly, and that's sort of the benefit that they talk about. I'm personally not a big fan of this idea. Um, I don't know if it will create enough of an impact uh, to be helpful, but anyways, that's, <laughs> that's what's come out. We don't have the exact details on it yet, Okay. Uh, the other part of it that may be interesting is on new builds, they will give up to 10%. So now maybe the number more interesting because you put a 5% down, but it's as if you have a 15% mortgage, sorry, 15% down payment. Uh, so maybe that becomes interesting, but again, you're limited to a purchase price of under 500,000 and uh, your income has to be a, under 120,000 household as well. Which for most first-time buyers, I think that's it's very within the the norm. But it sort of prices out all the new build properties in Toronto or anywhere close to Toronto, right? So it would have to be something on the sort of fringes that is a new build, and you can kind of make sense of it, right, in terms of the numbers. Awesome. 
And uh, if people want to get more information from you and continue to learn uh, about real estate investing, how, how would somebody reach out to you? Uh, so the best way would be to sign up for my, so right now I send out the letter you mentioned. It's a weekly newsletter that I send to all my clients. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a pretty long email, but it's just one a week and I try to put a lot of valuable content in there. Um, I'll, I'll give the, the link to uh, you, Jeff. So maybe if you have it in the show notes, sure, um, I'll share it. Yeah. That way people can, yeah, yeah. people can and uh, even, go there. Even the if they're not a be, current client, yeah. sorry to interrupt. Even if they're not a current client, they can still sign up and get the information, correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. So I, I allow anyone to, to sign up to get, uh, to act, get access mm-hmm. to the information. Uh, the mm-hmm. second way also, if you just go to Koken, REI coach, uh, you will see my uh, YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, I've posted, I think, over 40 videos there. They're short, informative videos. And, uh, yeah, you can sort of uh, see that content there as well. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you very much for, for uh, sharing your wisdom and knowledge and experience. And uh, it's really encouraging to seeing a young guy out there taking action and hustling and, and turning your dreams into reality. And uh, that's part of what this show is all about. Uh, before we wrap up, what's the best advice you've been given? Um, <laughs> the best advice I've been given. That's a tough one. Uh, Make you think a little bit here at the end. Ah, good one. What's the best advice? What's the best advice? Um, I would say it, it would have been early on. This wasn't even real estate investing. Um, yeah, I, I went to. Yeah, I think I went to this this meeting where they were talking about investing, and just that that idea of compound interest where. You know, something like invest whatever it is, small amount at a young age, yeah. and it'll become a meaningful amount uh, given enough time and given enough compounding. That made a massive difference just in my mindset, right? That I could start thinking of things with a longer term mindset. Perfect. And um, I think the other one is just treat others, you know, like you want to be treated and just care about others and treat people fairly. And I think that makes sense from a business perspective, but also just on a personal level, just to, just to live life uh, with sort of a clear conscience, right? Uh, like even in the work I do, many times it's easy to, to tell a new investor, just go buy any property, like the first property they see, because you, know, you get paid quickly, but that's not what I would have wanted when I hired my first realtor to buy my first investment property. I would want them to care about me. Right. So that's sort of the, that's the way I want to live my life, both in my work, but just on a personal level, because yeah, it's, you live life with a clear conscience and you know, you, you take care of the people around you and you keep your relationships, you keep, yeah, you keep your life (laughs) on a good track. Yeah. And that times ties in with the, the theme of the show, right? The, the whole concept of care, being correct action real estate, it's not yeah. just about building your real estate portfolio, but it's about yeah. self-care and it's about surrounding yourself with people that care about your success and that you care about, right? And yeah. uh, creating a legacy and, and wealth and financial independence and all that wonderful stuff. So amazing. Uh, thank you once again for being, being here. 
Uh, really appreciate your time and we'll definitely share all your contact information in the show notes. So anybody that wants to reach out to you uh, for real estate services or advice, um, they can definitely uh, do so through the links. We'll share those in the show notes. So thank you once okay, again. Awesome. I appreciate it. Take care. Great. It was fun. <laughs> Take care. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Care More Work Less Show. To access the show notes from this show or for more resources on real estate, business, wealth creation, and liberation, head on over to jeffreywoods.com. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y woods.com. If you found this show valuable, head on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. It's greatly appreciated. And until next time, remember, the more you care, the less you work.